This is Embodied on the State of Things from the American Tobacco Historic District. I'm Anita Rao. As part of med school, John Cooper had to sit through lectures on recognizing the signs of domestic violence, and they hit a little too close to home. In fact, they triggered nightmares about John's own childhood growing up as a member of the Word of Faith Fellowship in Spindale, North Carolina. John decided he couldn't keep his secrets anymore, and he called Associated Press reporter Mitch Weiss. John's allegations of child abuse sparked what became a multi-year AP investigation, during which reporters tracked down 100 former members of the Word of Faith Fellowship. What emerged from the reporting and stories is a portrait of a cult. They discovered that the Word of Faith Fellowship justifies its practices through the Bible and has a charismatic leader who uses physical and psychological torment to control all aspects of her members' lives. Reporters Mitch Weiss and Holbrook Moore recently published a book all about their investigation, and it's called Broken Faith, Inside the Word of Faith Fellowship, One of America's Most Dangerous Cults. And they both join me now. Welcome to the show. Thank Thank you for for having us. So there's so much to unpack here, 400 pages worth of your narrative and reporting, but I'd love to start with some basic facts and introduce what the Word of Faith Fellowship is. So we're not talking about a tiny small town church. We're talking about um, something that's at the scale of multiple continents at this point. So Mitch, could you could you paint a picture of um, what the Word of Faith Fellowship is? Uh, the Word of Faith Fellowship is... Um It's a church with a wide reach. They have 750 members in Spindale, North Carolina, but most of the members are from other parts of the country and other parts of the world. They also have two churches in Brazil, one church in Ghana, and they have affiliations with churches in um, several countries in Europe, uh, Switzerland, Sweden, um, Scotland. And essentially, you know, they believe, uh, Jane Whaley is, is the leader. She founded the church with her husband, Sam, in 1979. But essentially, what separates her doctrine from other evangelicals is that um, she believes that Satan employs an army of invisible demons on earth, these supernatural beings sent from hell to manipulate humans into addiction, illness, and wrongdoing. But her followers weren't helpless. They could use what she called um, a, a prayer, a high decibel dramatic technique called blasting, shouting and screaming, to drive out those demons, to literally scare them away. And over the years, it just developed from you know screaming and shouting to doing everything possible to get rid of those demons, and, and that included punching, choking, restraining people, and you know, causing physical harm to to cast out those uh, devils. So when you say demons, you're not talking about kind of demons in the way that we may traditionally think, but there are demons of all kinds that she says. So there are uh, soccer demons. There are demons related to being too friendly with another person. There are buddy-buddy demons. There are all kinds of demons. And I want to play a clip um, of Jane Whaley to get a sense of how she talks and how she characterizes these demons that are walking around the world. Uh, This is a clip that was secretly recorded and posted on the Facebook page of Citizens Against Corruption and Abuse. You're going to hear some background noise. That's other congregants in the church. Um, And this is Jane Whaley calling out a boy in the church who she believes has become too interested in soccer. Let's listen. I was told today that you have such a devil with this ball, even your ball socks, your ball shoes, everything. It's coming out of you. It better not be. We just dealt with a major soccer devil down in Brazil two weeks ago. It's not going to be. 
We will have no other gods. We just read that. That's of the devil. So that is a clip um, of Jane Whaley, the leader of the Word of Faith Fellowship in Spindale, North Carolina. And I'm speaking with Mitch Weiss and Holbrook Moore, who've just published an expose on Jane and her church called Broken Faith. So you get a sense of kind of what the expansiveness of these demons, which I guess gives you a sense of the the level to which she sees the church's doctrine of controlling every aspect of congregants' lives. So maybe, Holbrook, you could paint a picture of that for us. What What is the scope of things that are not allowed if you're a member of Word of Faith Fellowship? Oh, there's a long list of things that aren't allowed. Um, Nike apparel is not allowed because the swoop is of the devil. Um, you can't have root beer because that's of the devil. Um, it's pretty much anything that, that Jane Whaley thinks has taken someone's attention away from what she believes they need to be doing. Um, you know, if boys are flirting with girls, they have the unclean devil. Uh, yeah, if, you're, if you're not tithing enough, you may have the greedy devil. It's just any number of things that can be a devil to her. And if you're caught breaking the rules, there are uh, severe consequences. You mentioned briefly, Mitch, this practice of blasting um, which was done to anyone, kids as young as six months old. So I want to play a clip of blasting so people get a sense of what it sounds like, and then I'll have you describe it a little bit more. Um, this was another secretly recorded clip, so that may explain some of the background noise. And also a warning to our listeners, there may be some content in this clip that may be disturbing. So this is a former member being blasted for, I think, caring too much about uh, MCAT scores. Let's listen. You need to repent for looking to your score as your salvation. That is not what gets you into there. You are going because God said it. The anointing of God is what brings you there. The call of God makes room for itself. You don't need that score. All you need is Jesus. You ain't bad for looking at scores. Forgive me, Jesus. Forgive me for coming under that idol. Forgive me, Jesus. So that was a secretly recorded clip from inside the Word of Faith Fellowship, a Spindale-based church, and that was some audio of a practice known as blasting, which church leaders say is designed to verbally exercise demons through screaming. I'm speaking with Mitch Weiss and Holbrook Moore. They're two reporters who are behind the new book, Broken Faith. So, Mitch, could you paint a picture for me of, of blasting? You've described it a little bit, but but take us a little bit deeper into it, what it looks like, and who all um, can become a victim of blasting. Well, anyone could become a victim of blasting. I want to go back to that tape for a second. The minister screaming at the victim in that, um, in that secretly recorded um, tape is a doctor. So he's screaming at um, John Cooper for looking at his um, medical school application test. And it, blasting can start out with screaming just like that, and it can escalate to, uh, to a point where they hold you down. Other members, you know, punch you until they get tired out, and then another member comes in. It's, it's organized chaos to a certain degree. But what, what I want people to understand is this, is that if you're a baby and you're crying, they, you, they will be surrounded because the baby is crying not because the baby might have a dirty diaper or the baby might be hungry, but the baby is crying because it has some kind of demon. And so people will surround that baby and scream at it until 
the devil until the baby stops crying, and that signals to the rest of the congregation that the demon has left. So, I mean, what I want people to envision is if you have a son, a daughter, a grandson, a grand, what would what would it look like? What how would you feel if you saw 12, 15, 20 people surround your kids and start screaming at them at the top of their lungs for hours and hitting them? And yet this is what goes on in this church all the time. So you all uh, have obviously been investigating this for a long time. Tell me about what Jane Whaley describes as the just religious justification for um, practices like blasting. Well, Jane believes that you know you have to you have to uh, follow her rules, and that if you don't follow her rules, you may get cancer, become a drug addict, whatever. Something bad is going to happen to you. And if you're not following her rules, there's a reason, and those reasons are demons. And, you know, people that are currently in the church, they often don't think of this as abuse because it's what you have to do to find salvation. You have to get those demons out, and uh, you do whatever it takes. So if this is the will of God, how can it be abuse? That That's the mindset. So, Mitch, you mentioned John Cooper. We mentioned him at the beginning of this conversation. He was the one who was the subject of the blasting in the tape that we heard. And he is actually a a big part of the reason that you all were able to do this investigation and write this book. So tell me about how you were first introduced to the Word of Faith Fellowship through uh, John Cooper. Well, Well, actually, the investigation began back in October of 2012, three years before John Cooper made that call. We had gotten a um, an advocacy group reached out to us to tell us that um, a young man was blasted because he was um, he was gay, and they wanted the DOJ to investigate it as a hate crime. Um, long story short, is we started investigating. The young man recanted. We later found out he was pressured by the church, and so we had to put the investigation on the back burner, so to speak, but we kept getting calls from advocates and calls from people saying, look, there's more here. You really need to look into it. And so after um, another young man um, pressed authorities up there to investigate his beating because he was gay, five members of the church were indicted. And at that point, we decided we, we have to do something. We have to look into this to see what's going on. So for about five months, we reached out to former members and we got nowhere. And then finally one day I was driving home from work and um, John Cooper called me out of the blue and told me that he wanted to talk. Uh, and we, we made a time to talk. I drove up to the University of North Carolina. He was in medical school at the time. And I met him and another former member, Jamie Anderson. And we spent six hours, you know, talking. And the only request he made of me was tell the truth. Don't blow this out of proportion. Just tell the truth about what happened inside the church. And he said the reason he was speaking to me in the first place was because of all the kids that were still left behind. He wanted to do something about it. He didn't want them to suffer like he did. This is Embodied on the State of Things, broadcasting from the American Tobacco Historic District. I'm Anita Rao. My guests today are Holbrook Moore and Mitch Weiss. They're investigative reporters for the Associated Press, and they have spent years investigating claims of physical and psychological abuse inside the Word of Faith Fellowship Church in Spindale, North Carolina. Their new book is called Broken Faith Inside the Word of Faith Fellowship, One of America's Most Dangerous Cults. 
So right before the break, Mitch, we were talking about John Cooper and how he reached out to you to tell a story, how he said, please tell the truth. He called you on behalf of not wanting more children to be abused. Um, and in many ways, his family is kind of a microcosm of the whole Word of Faith Fellowship experience. So tell me more about John Cooper, what you learned from him and his family story. I think um, his parents, Rick and Suzanne Cooper, were typical of the um, people who joined the church. Uh, Rick Cooper was looking for spiritual enlightenment, and Suzanne Cooper was looking for a community of Christians. At the time, she had, I believe, six children, and she wanted to raise them in a, in a, in a Christian community. She knew that they had a um, Christian school there that her kids could go to. And from the outset, it looked pretty normal, with the exception of blasting. People showered them with love. It was called love bombing. They made them feel welcome. Um, and then gradually over time, things began to change. Um, you know, soon, you know, Suzanne Cooper and Rick and Suzanne were not the new kids on the block. And um, they were treated like everyone else. And the church started showing their true colors and, um, you know, the controlling, cutting them off from, you know, out, out family members out, uh, who weren't in the church. And so it was it was a gradual process. And, and, and you know, after a couple of years, you know, they started um, taking their children away one at a time and putting them in ministers' homes to be raised, which is common practice. This way, the children become more devoted to the ministers than to the parents. And, and one other thing I want to add is that Word of Faith, when you look at them, they look normal. They look like all-American, you know, like an all-American family, Rick and Suzanne. I mean, he spent 20 years on a nuclear submarine. She was in the Air Force, and they met in, in Hawaii. And they look so normal, like picture perfect. And so that's one of the things about Word of Faith that's so confounding to people is how could people who look so normal and children who are so well behaved, how could all this evil be going on behind the church's walls? It well, just doesn't make sense. Yeah, and I think that's what's so interesting about the way you all write the book. It's so narrative. So you're really taken into this experience through the eyes of people who are experiencing it firsthand. And the methods of control creep up so slowly. So as you said first, you know, you're a new family in the block. You have this new house. You have a place to live. The church will find you a job. You become integrated in this community. And then slowly but surely, there are forces that change how your family structure works. There's a security team that works for the church that monitors people's comings and goings. They kind of encourage family members to live together so that they can report on one another. So Holbrook, I mean, tell me about that and, and how it becomes a place that it's really hard to leave. I mean, even Rick and Suzanne tried to leave the church at one point, and they couldn't. Tell me about, you know, why they had to stay and, and what happens to families who try to leave. Well, as Mitch said earlier, um, a common practice in the Word of Faith Fellowship is to take children from homes and place them with ministers to live. So these children develop close relationships with the ministers, sometimes closer than their own families. So, like, if you use Rick and Suzanne as an example, around 2001, when they wanted to leave, uh, the church found out people started showing up at their house, blasting them, separating them. And when Rick and Suzanne made the decision to leave, some of their children were not willing to go with them. And this is, a, 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 you know, an excruciating, excruciating decision that people are faced to make, forced to make. Um, you know, do I leave here alone or do I stay here with my family? Let's talk a bit about children, because there is a big focus. Jane has a big focus on 
really controlling how children are raised, um, who they end up marrying. And, and a lot of this has to do with her obsession around sex and sexuality. Um, Mitch, tell me a little bit about Jane's kind of obsession with, with anything sexual and how that plays out in how she relates to children. Well, well I think what's interesting about um, Jane Whaley is that when, when you think of cults, you think of, first of all, male figures, and, and Jane is obviously a, a, a female. You think of um, cults where you know sex is promiscuous, um, especially with cult leaders. This is almost like the anti-cult in a way, because everything is about not having sex. Everything revolves around not having lustful thoughts. The worst thing you can be labeled in the church is having unclean devils. That's where you get the, that's where you're punished, that's where you receive the harshest punishment. So, you know, we, we don't know why she had this obsession with um, sex that, you know, people can't have it. And, you know, because in, in, with Christian marriages, sex is promoted as being something healthy between a married couple. But here it's not. And again, uh, we, that was one of the things that just confounded us. You know, what was it that made her think this way and come up with this doctrine? And she, I mean, she really, she takes it through kind of every phase of people's lives. So as kids, you're really shamed for for masturbating or even having, you know, an innocuous erection. Then you're shamed for any kind of relations you would have. You know, girls and boys are kept separate in swimming pools, all of that, and all the way through marriage. So I want to play a clip from John Cooper talking about the rules around marital sex. Let's listen. Yeah, they were really specific that, you know, you couldn't do it more than once a week. And um, you uh, definitely no more than three times a month, but they were really um, kind of, they made a point to say that you should be able to go like three months at least without having sex and, and be happy with that. And so um, it, it was just really awkward all the way around. And, and yeah, they also said that, you know, there was only one position allowed, which was, you know, the, the male on top. and. Um, like missionary style and, and so um, also the lights have to be off and you know you're not allowed to you know see what you're doing also you have to have agreed ahead of time um, with each other that you're going to do it so it, it can't be spontaneous so that's John Cooper speaking to the Associated Press. He is a survivor of the Word of Faith Fellowship in Spindale, North Carolina. And his story is part of a new book from AP reporters Mitch Weiss and Holbrook Moore. It's called Broken Faith, Inside the Word of Faith Fellowship, One of America's Most Dangerous Cults. So Holbrook, tell me about uh, how men in the church were treated specifically. And maybe you can tell me the story of the five boys, five young boys who uh, were isolated away from the rest of the community for a long time. Yeah, I, th I think that most people um, who have been in a part of the church would agree that males are often treated worse. Um, the five boys were a group of kids. Y you know, in normal society, the things that they were accused of doing really wouldn't be a big deal. You know, they were buddies. Um, sometimes they would smile or laugh when they weren't supposed to. So they were singled out during a church service and uh berated in front of everyone. Uh, they were expected to, you know, collapse and, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know exactly what Whaley was looking for, but to show some signs that, you know, they were surrendering. And um, I guess that 
they didn't do that well enough, so they were isolated from their families for a year. People were told not to talk to them. They didn't get to go to school with their classmates. They were instead put in a room where they were forced to uh, watch videos of Jane Whaley preaching all day. And these uh, these five boys you talk to them now, these are this was an experience that scarred them for life. Um, they felt worthless, and you know, for for a child to feel that way, it's just a horrific thing. So, I mean, we've been painting this picture of the details of this community, how it's run, how it's organized, how people feel trapped. And this is Spindale, North Carolina. It's it's just down the road for a lot of us, and this is still going on today. Um, so I'm wondering if you all kind of can explain uh, how that is and how the church has kind of really remained free from any uh, formal convictions. There have been charges that have been alleged. There are some ongoing cases right now, but but over the years, there have been numerous investigations into abuse within the church, and not a lot has come from it. So, Mitch, take me into that piece of the story. Well, this this is a case, a classic case of failure of institutions to do their jobs. Um, from DSS to the prosecutor's office to the um, Rutherford County Sheriff's Office, they all let these kids and, and people down. And essentially what happened is, you have to understand, Rutherford County is, is, is a poor county. So whenever you know a prosecutor or whenever DSS tried to make a case, they were going up against a church that had a ton of money and hired the best lawyers, and they could just wear them down. There was a, a, a former prosecutor that we interviewed. His name is Brad Greenway, and he was actually a... Um, the attorney for DSS during this um, civil lawsuit that the church filed, saying they were persecuted because of their religious beliefs. And later he became the district attorney, and he failed to prosecute these cases involving the two young men who were beaten because they were gay. And what he told me was simply this. I believe that they're abusing people. I believe that they held people in the lower building, this place where they put men who and boys who they believe, you know, were infected with sexual, lustful demons. But he said, I got tired of fighting. You don't know what he said. You don't understand what it's like to go up against these people. You might have somebody who comes forward with an allegation. And then the church, you know, we bring it to court. And then the church comes in with 20 people. And this is his expression. They're all dressed to the nines. They're fighter pilots. They're doctors. They're teachers. And they're saying it didn't happen. And then what are you going to do? And then you lose. And he, it just wasn't worth for him you know, the trouble of fighting anymore. And I asked him, I said, but you know that kids are being abused down there. You just said it. Why, why don't you do your job? Just go ahead and do your job. And if you don't want to, just get out of the way. But that's been part of the problem. The locals have just given up. They've turned a blind eye to it. The state and federal officials, you can say the same thing has happened. And essentially, you know, this church continues to thrive. Nothing, they really haven't faced or had any consequences, even though, my God, you have all these victims and tapes and everything and documents that show this is going on. And yet everyone up there has looked the other way. Well, that's what's so interesting. I mean, there was an entire SBI investigation in the 90s that didn't really lead to anything. There has been um, Inside Edition has done reporting and footage. There is there has been documentation. But I mean, Jane Whaley is pretty 
savvy. And she has a lot of lawyers that are a part of the Word of Faith Fellowship, and they have really been able to control their narrative and control their response, as you say. And even, you know, this 2003 agreement between them and DSS, they were really able to control how DSS is allowed to investigate reports of child abuse within their church. So they have been able to get out in front of a lot of the potential ramifications of this. There is still one case that's pending, um, and it's the story of Matthew Fenner. And I'm wondering, Holbrook, if you could tell us a little bit about Matthew Fenner, his story, and um, where that case stands at this point. Yes, Matthew Fenner um, was a young gay man in the church back in 2013 when he was a uh, Attacked, blasted, you know, attacked um, in an effort to expel his, quote, homosexual demons. These are not my words, they're their words. Um, he spent, you know, the next two years pressing authorities to, uh, to do something about it. He said that, you know, he almost died during this blasting session, that he was beaten so bad he, he urinated himself. And so it, it took, you know, two years. Finally, the five people were indicted. Um, there was a trial. In 2017, uh, the the leader of the group, Brooke Covington, one of the top ministers at Word of Faith Fellowship, but it ended in a mistrial when the jury foreman brought unauthorized documents to deliberations. So after that, you had a a state and federal investigation um, for the next couple of years. So that was put on hold again. We're told that uh, this case could be moving forward, you know, in coming months. We did reach out to the Rutherford County District Attorney Tim Bell about this, and his response was, quote, because of the pending criminal cases, the rules at the state bar prohibit us from making any comments, quote. We also reached out to the Word of Faith Fellowship's lawyers and the Rutherford County Sheriff's Department for response and didn't hear anything back. Uh, Mitch, go ahead. Yeah, this, this is a really important point. This is the failure of the institutions again, and that, you know, Matthew Fenner spent two years trying to get authorities to investigate. And the district attorney blamed the sheriff. The sheriff blamed the district attorney. They gave him the runaround. And here's the thing that they did that was very smart. They didn't trust anybody, so they started recording these conversations. Mm. So it's just not she said, she said. You hear the sheriff say, well, I don't know anything about your case. And uh, there's the DA who didn't. And then you have you know these other people, including at one point they even went to a, a, an assistant federal um, prosecutor in Charlotte, and Matthew and and four of his um, supporters, and they said, "Look, I, they beat me. This should be, you know, a, a hate crime. How come, you know, you guys should get involved? You know, they they're bringing up Brazilians from you know, you know, from their churches down there, and they're keeping them as slaves." And boom, and uh, you know, you hear the response uh, by the um, U.S. attorney at the time. Jill Rose was like, okay, yeah, we've heard about them when I blah, 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 and goes on. And she promised she would get back to them, and she never did. So this is where you see, you listen to the failure of the institutions. Again, it's not he said, she said. You're listening to these tapes like you're a fly on the wall, and you're going, what the hell? I mean, it's clear as day that they were giving Matthew Center the runaround. Yeah. Well, so, I mean, as you all spoke with hundreds of people, people who left, who wanted to speak, who wanted to bring back their charges, other people who wanted nothing to do with the church anymore, what did you hear about kind of the lifelong consequences for people who have been a part of this Word of Faith Fellowship? Obviously, many can be isolated from family who are still there, but what are some of the other things that you heard that are really sticking with people to this day? Mitch? Oh, boy. Um, you know, there were some members who, uh, former members who were very successful, you know, children who were born into it. They, you know, 
their doctors and their lawyers. Then there are others who haven't done as well. And the one common thread is they're still haunted by the experience. Um, they have nightmares. Uh, I, you know, for so long, they were isolated from the entire world. So when they did get out, they didn't know anything about pop culture. They didn't know anything about TV. They didn't. Know, so when uh, groups of people would get together and they would start making you know, pop culture references, they couldn't join in. They felt even more isolated. And they couldn't say, hey, the reason, could you explain that line from that particular movie? Because, you know, at the time, I wasn't allowed to watch movies and I was in a cult. Well, so, and even understanding what a movie is, you you do you illustrate one scene in the book where a teenager comes out and she's kind of confused about what a, a movie even is. Like, oh, these people are having this conversation, but it's not real and it's fictional. Like, there's this, you know, totally secluded from this entire thing that everyone else experiences from a young age. Right. Um, that was that was Danielle Cordes, and after she escaped. Um, you know, she watched the movie for the first time. I think it was Uptown Girls. And she, you know, was just watching it. She didn't know what to make of it. It, it You know, here are these people singing and they're not songs about God, you know, because Jane likes to write her own music. I mean, really angry lyrics about, you know, spiritual warfare and all sorts of stuff like that. And it, it just, I can't even imagine what it must have been like for her as she watched that first movie, it just, it, to her, just didn't make sense. You know, having a plot and, and people kissing and, and singing about, you know, love, it just it blew her away. So we don't have much time left, but I would love to know what you all plan to do moving forward in terms of your reporting and what kind of response you've gotten to the book so far. Do you think that this will move the needle forward in the conversation about the Word of Faith Fellowship? Holbrook? We certainly hope it moves the uh, needle forward. Uh, the response to the book so far, um, you know, of course, the, the Word of Faith Fellowship says it's, you know, a bunch of lies. But um, for the people in the book, it, they they feel like it's given them a voice, which for us is, is very rewarding. And we do hope that in the future, if there are investigations, that the church won't you know, be able to dodge scrutiny like it has for so many years now. Mitch, any last takeaways from you? Yeah, I, I think so many people have let these victims down. I mean, this church was founded in 1979, and for 40 years they've been allowed to just operate using, you know, religious freedom as and, and to create this narrative that, you know, they're protected by religious freedom. But, you know, religious freedom ends when abuse of children begins, and it's still going on to this day. And I, I, I hope that, you know, we've given a voice to those victims and um, that someone will come in and and take another look at the church. Mitch Weiss and Holbrook Moore are authors of Broken Faith, Inside the Word of Faith Fellowship, one of America's most dangerous cults. Thank you both so much for your time. Thank you. We really appreciate you having us on.